0: This is another episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan, one of your co-hosts. I'm here with uh, my friend Jim Reske, and we have been teaching through the book of Galatians. And I just finished teaching chapters 1 through 3. Jim is going to be teaching chapters 4 through 6. Yeah, so Jim, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing okay, Greg. Doing okay. Great to be with you. Always fun to talk about these things.
0: So how did I do
1: <laughs> I thought you were fabulous. You were magnificent. <laughs> the thing is, I, hey, Greg, own, I know the words you want to hear. Well done. Now, good and faithful servant. Well done.
0: I do. I do want to hear those words, but what's, what's crazy. And we talk about it a lot is there's the talk, you prepare the talk, you deliver, and then the talk, you wish you would have delivered. That's we, exactly right. we always spend most of Saturday afternoon, thinking about what we wish we would have said. I will share that um, on this particular topic, I thought it went pretty well. Um, I don't have many changes. Um, I think I could have maybe um, spent a little bit more time talking about those, the two thieves of the gospel Um, and kind of explaining that illustration better and how the, the Judaizers were not in line with the gospel. They kind of drifted away and fell into legalism. And, um, and there was somebody, somebody asked a question that, um, because I say there's three ways you can live, follow the rules, follow Jesus, or follow your heart. And a person asked, uh, you know, a question about, um, which was basically a misunderstanding of the diagram, actually, that, um, that you could be following your heart and doing it for God. And, uh, um, which made me think of, I just wish I would have had more time, uh, talking about that, you know, Jesus gives us a new heart. Um, That's right. so, um, and I love that verse. It says, um, Uh, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm. So the diagram itself makes it look like maybe following your heart is always bad, but it's not bad. If if someone's
1: listening to this podcast, they didn't didn't listen to the last one where you described it. Just describe the diagram briefly. So the
0: diagram is based on this idea that Jesus was crucified between two thieves. And so if you picture a hill and then Christ in the center... Then um, on the sides of the hill, uh, there's one side and then there's, you know, a left side and then a right side on the on. Let's say the left side is, um, you know, so these are the two thieves of the gospel and they are legalism and license. And so on the one side is where people fall into the trap of I've got to follow the rules. And that would be like the Pharisees or the Judaizers or any Christian that is trying to add to Jesus, you know, whether it's for their salvation or sanctification, like Jesus plus. Right. But then the other side, um, the other thief is when we fall into the trap of, you know, following your heart, which is basically, um, you know, the idea that, uh, hey, Jesus died for my sins, past, present, and future. So I can... you know, live however I want, I'm forgiven. So I might as well just follow my heart and do whatever feels good. Right. And obviously, you know, um, that's not, that's not li- living the Christian life is not aligned with that, but there is, there is an aspect of the heart though, that the scripture says that, you know, Jesus gives us a new heart. Um, And so when we're following him, he does change the desires of our heart. So it's not like the heart, Although what there's that verse in Jeremiah that talks about how evil the heart is. Um yes. you, know what you know that you know what I'm heart you know is referring above to? all
1: else who can understand it.
0: Right, right. So and that's that's an unregenerate, un yeah, an unsaved heart, you know. But right. when we when we come to Christ, we get a new heart. And so um God changes our heart. So anyway, those are the two. And then also, if you're following Jesus, you do want to obey the law. You just don't want to rely on the law. So there's a difference between obeying the law and relying on the law. Yeah. So. um,
1: It's all about why you do it, right? I mean, that's kind of that'll bleed into my talk as well. But like, why do you obey the law? What do you why do you why are you doing it? You're doing it because you think it's going to improve your standing with God. You're doing it because you think you're going to get something more out of God. You're going to, or are you doing it just because you love him, right? Out of sheer gratitude.
0: Yeah. So overall, I think that overall, I think the Bible study went pretty good. I left lots of time at the end for uh, questions and comments. And sometimes right in the middle, I had a time of, there was a time of questions and comments and one guy kind of threw a question that I wasn't prepared to answer. I had ideas. I had ideas, but it was one of those things I, I didn't want to uh I was afraid my answer might be wrong, you know. So um anyway that threw me off a little bit, but uh um overall, I mean I love the book of Galatians. It's pretty straightforward. Paul is pretty clear. He's he's angry. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. He uh is um very passionate about the gospel and how it not only saves us, but it is also the key to our sanctification. And I know you're gonna pick up the the baton in chapter four, five, and six, and um especially pick up that idea of gospel-driven sanctification. So um
1: yeah. yeah. Hey, let me ask you something before I was just thinking about this. Like you because we talked about this afterwards, you have a question from in the audience. It's maybe a technical question or a theological question, or it's just a question you hadn't thought about beforehand. So most of us who are teaching are lay people. Um, and I, I just feel like, look, I can't know everything. And but what it happens, I feel like I should have known the answer. I should have spent more time studying. If I find I just read more commentaries and more versions and more the translations. I would have dang a dog gone it. I wish I I feel bad. Like I should know, I should be the answer, man. Right. I had several weeks to prepare, never mind that I have, you know, full-time job and family and commitments, everything else. But I still, I'm not, you know, I, I take it seriously, the obligation. I wish I'd known it. Do you, I mean, I imagine you feel the same way, but you, because now we, for our audience, for the benefit of our listeners, you're also a full-time Christian work. Yeah. So you're a bit different than the rest of us, you know, amateurs teaching. Do you feel a heightened sense of that? Like.
0: I definitely do. I definitely do. And let me, let me put it to you in this way. Um, the founder of the organization I worked for, Dawson Trotman, he was known to be, um, whenever he came across a Bible, whenever somebody asked him a Bible question, he couldn't, he he didn't know the answer to, he found the answer. And he was known to um, never forget the answer that he learned. Mm. And so, um, in other words, once he learned something, he knew he knew it and so he wasn't going to be stumped um twice you know right. but i think that that i think he had an incredible mind he had a um to me i look at it as um i don't have that kind of mind i i'm one of these guys i can go to a movie and i can walk away and be like man that was a great movie i could summarize the movie but then 10 minutes later i could get things all out of order and it's like, I need to, I need to go see the movie again. Um, and so I find myself like, I'll look up, you know, I'll have questions um, about the Bible. And I'm, I, I have a pretty decent knowledge of the Bible. I read through the Bible every year and I've been doing yeah. it for 25 yeah. years in a row. I'm doing it again in 2024. Awesome. And, uh, but you can, the way my mind works, I can never master it. I can never um I mean um, I think it's
1: supposed to be that way. And I think if you feel like you master it, that's kind of false um assurance, a false confidence, but no one can master it.
0: Yeah. Right. So when I got asked that particular question, I knew I, I here's here's what goes through my mind, Jim, and this is what bothers me is like I knew the answer to that question. Like I had I had oh I had learned that answer.
1: You had oh, I see I many see. times oh, in the
0: past. It's right. just, I didn't have the confidence to um,
1: Reach your articulate
0: it. Control. I didn't have the confidence to to articulate it without a sense of like, what if you're wrong? Right. Um, and then that would be worse than me just saying, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not sure the answer to that question. And so, and I, I attribute that to the fact that I just don't have one of these like photographic memory minds. I, I, I have to keep relearning things. Yeah. And, um, even it's like with scripture, it's... like, I mean, you know, I've memorized lots of scripture, but if you don't, if you don't, uh, if you don't practice it, you, if you don't use it, you lose it, you know? Sure. So, yeah. so, so, so actually, you know, the thing that bothers me is just, it bothers me that my mind, like, um, I mean, all the classes I sat through in seminary, all the Bible teachers I've, all the Bible reading I've done, you know, I knew the answer to that question. I just, but I just couldn't reach back with a hundred percent confidence and answer it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure I want to be like a Bible answer man type of person. Um, you know, I think, I think it's, I think people more respect, <laughs> um. You know, a, a humble, I'm not sure. Yeah. Over a confident, well, let me tell you what chapter and verse that is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, I think it's what's funny is I think if you're the speaker like you were and you didn't have that answer, you feel bad about it. That feeling, you're walking you're like, oh, dang, I should have known that answer. But as an audience member watching you, when you say, hmm, good question, I don't know, what do what the rest of you think? Which I think is kind of the way you handle that it feels very, it feels normal, natural. I don't, it doesn't feel, I don't sit there and say, I can't believe, I can't believe Greg doesn't know the answer to this. That's kind of what I think as a speaker that people are thinking in the audience, but I'm in the audience when it's you, I feel like it never, you know, just doesn't bother me at all. If you don't have the answers. So, uh, yeah,
0: well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I also wondered whether people felt like he was trying to trip me up. The, the person asking me the question was, you know,
1: yeah, and it it didn't seem like it. It seemed like a genuine but do you remember the question for people by now, people listening to the podcast saying, What was the question? It must be really juicy or good. It was Oh about-
0: yeah. The the question was about Timothy. And because, you know, in Galatians it talks about um how I, I had just shared how Titus in Galatians it says that Titus um um chose not to be circumcised. Right. Um and so the question was well why did timothy choose to be circumcised and the answer was because timothy was half jewish and um i think you know the short answer is he did it for ministry purposes um you know so he could be more effective reaching jews um he didn't want to have any stumbling blocks so he didn't do it for his, his salvation or his sanctification he he did it because he was he was half Jewish and um, he, um, you know, I mean, that's uh, that's my understanding of that situation. But And so it did, you know, it did kind of relate to um, the book of Galatians because, you know, there's so much about circumcision in the, G- the book of Galatians, you know.
1: It, and circumcision is kind of a proxy or a word for like just law keeping and keeping the law so yes. way, you just describe that as really good greg is say he chose to get circumcised but it didn't affect his standing with god yes right so he's he's keeping that element of the jewish law to be circumcised but it didn't make him any better or worse in god's eyes and i yet. think
0: he i think he did it for ministry purposes and i think titus chose not to not to be circumcised for ministry purposes so
1: what's an analogy today if i was in a, uh, a missionary in a country where they didn't eat meat, for example, and I said, "I'm just not going to eat. I'll be, I'll be vegan."
0: I, yeah, choosing choosing to choosing to adopt a cultural thing. Um, right, yeah, right. that's a good. I mean, that's a that's a good example.
1: Style of dress or a way of eating or some. I, I, I say this doesn't affect my righteousness before God. This doesn't make me holier before. It doesn't make me. God doesn't love me anymore because I'm doing this keeping this rule and this culture. I'm just doing it to relate to these people and save souls for Christ. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's lots of, you know, Paul talked about being all things to all men so that he might win, win people to, to the Lord. But the problem in Galatians, and uh, we're going to shift into this because you're going to continue on teaching it. The problem was, it wasn't that they were Just trying to keep the law in the sense of, uh, you know, following the Ten Commandments. The problem is they were relying on the law and and they were um, doing it for their justification and their sanctification. So how's your preparation coming?
1: So I think it's coming along. There are parts of it that's, they're a little muddy still that I'm not totally clear on. That's why it's good to talk them through with you out loud, Greg, you know, and that's kind of, and you know if people are still uh listening at this point uh kind of the gist of the podcast where you and i talk through things we have these spiritual conversations and for years we'd say maybe just record this and maybe someone else could benefit from this because kind of like hashing things through together in real time and often even in the midst of a podcast i'll say there are things that i just learned that i never knew before yeah before. so i'm still kind of hashing it out working it out but, I, but what I mean, are you
0: what are you learning
1: well, I'm trying well, part of it is understanding this this perspective of always thinking of in terms of grace but um and understanding the, and the distinction between justification and sanctification, but then really understanding it thinking through the role of works and how what works get us and because it, that's it, it, you might say it's just the flip side of the same coin, right uh, but it but but it's a way of really understanding I think what Galatians is trying to do so as you said last week and you built I got to kind of build on the foundation you laid last week and kind of take take off from there um the Judaizers were coming by and saying you you Jesus alone isn't enough you need works as well to be fully accepted by God um and you it, so it's good yeah you need Jesus Jesus is like it's like a necessary but insufficient condition right so you you need Jesus is necessary, but that's not enough. So, if you want to be fully accepted by God, you've got to also keep the law. And I'm going to also incorporate part of the podcast we did a f- two or three podcasts ago, where we talked about rewards. Yeah. And the whole rewards theology, which looks at the verses about the Bema to of, of Christ. And we did a whole podcast then, so I won't regurgitate all that. But the notion of like saying, well, no, you, um, the rewards theology is basically, you are saved by faith alone. Uh, you, you, grace is operative for your justification, but your sanctification is not based on grace. It's based on your hard work and effort. So you get into heaven purely by grace alone. This is what the rewards theology would say. You get into heaven, but if you want to hear, well done, the good and faithful servant, which is why I was teasing you. home. Yeah. Right. You really want to be fully accepted by God. If you want that great standing in his eyes, you need to, do a lot of good works and you got to obey the law uh after you become a christian so it's it's justification by grace through faith but it's sanctification through your own hard work and effort and how god feels about you for justification absolutely by grace but how god feels about you how he will evaluate you your standing before god is very much contingent upon your performance Mm. in this reports theology and it's and that to
0: and to 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 me just hearing you say that it just feeds it just feeds that 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 part of us that um the self-centered part of like the like the uh that's right uh the the selfishness of the the yeah. human heart like like the comp- almost a sense of competition like hey who who's going to get more rewards
1: right like like one of my bullets that I'm working on now is like, what if I
0: told you, what if I told you, Jim, I went into full-time ministry cause I'm going to get more rewards than you.
1: Yeah. Can like, you imagine that? Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the rewards people say, well, and some of them actually deal with this. Cause, cause what you and I are talking about now is the idea. Like the basic motivation is self-centeredness and self-centeredness is my course in problem right? Self-absorption is the essence in pride. That is my sin problem. And this is an appeal to my pride. Don't you want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Think about how your, your chest will swell with pride when, when many others have tried, Greg, and failed, but not you. You get great rewards. and It's all an appeal to your self-centeredness and pride. So even if it works, it makes you a proud person, makes you worse. And they'll de- the rewards theology say, well, I know that sounds like it's self-centeredness but it can't be because that's what god is using to motivate you so it must be it must be good and that's the
0: and that's the key right there you just said it motive to motivate you and this is the issue that you and i have with this rewards theology is that it is it turns out to be a motivator and i don't think it's a biblical motivator
1: they sell it as a motivator i mean there's one of the books i was looking at said this is this is highly motivational this is it's meant to be a huge motivator. Think of all the rewards you're going to get for all your good works in heaven. And by the way, all the punishment you'll get, um, the embarrassment, humiliation, when all your sins are scrolled on a screen behind you for everyone else to see, you know, that everything you've done inside of God will disclose the motives of, men, of men's hearts and all those things, and, not, and we're not talking about everything you did before you're a Christian. No, no, no. Jesus, wipe that away. All the sins since you've been a Christian. On a big teleprompter a big telescreen whatever, for everyone to see
0: and that and that just feeds fear
1: fear absolutely so it makes yeah, you afraid does, and... my fear is not gone yeah right I mean and then well, we talked about this in the podcast before but the strangeness with which the commentators talk about this because they don't write from a sense of fear they almost it's almost glee it's like this is this gonna be just a great day. And in and, and a big tone of warning, woe to you, many Christians don't understand. There are many of you out there who are not following and really be surprised on that day. Like it's woe to you for all your sins, but it's going to be a great day for me for all my good works. Right. And anyway, it so it so part of the reason, well, why, why even talk, those verses are not in Galatians. Why talk about this? Because it feels to me, and I'm going to try to make the connection as clearly as I can, that the rewards theology people or that that line of thinking are modern day Judaizers Mm. that that they both say, you know, the the question is, is Jesus alone enough to be fully accepted by God? The Judaizers would say, no, you need to keep the Mosaic law too. And the rewards people would say, no, that's enough to get into heaven. But to be fully accepted by God, that's Jesus alone is not enough. Mm. You need to keep the law as well. So they are the modern day Judaizers. And then the first bridge I need to cross, and this is where I'm stumbling, Greg, is the rewards people would immediately draw distinction because they would they would say, oh, no, 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 no. Those Judaizers said you need you need to do the law to be saved. And I'm not saying that you're saved. by I believe you're saved by grace alone. You're saved by faith. You get into heaven because of his grace. You just don't get fully rewarded unless you've performed really well. So, yeah. say, I'm not a Judaizer. Oh, no, 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 no. That and 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 if you, if you so, this is I, I'm trying, I was figuring out, still struggling with how to express it. To maintain that theological view, they need to put Galatians in a box of justification, they need to read the book of Galatians as Paul's rant against salvation by works. They say. So they can say, I agree with Galatians that salvation is by faith alone. Paul's just talking about salvation, justification. What I, a rewards person, what I'm talking about is your sanctification. I'm talking about how you live after you're saved. And Galatians isn't about that. Galatians is just about, you know, how to how to get into heaven just for salvation.
0: But that's where I would I would bring up Galatians chapter three. Amen. Because I think it's pretty clear that this was not just salvation. It was about their sanctification too.
1: Then you remember the verse? Because I can look it up. You you don't have it on the top of your...
0: I don't have it on the top of my... uh, uh...
1: Galatians 3, verse 3 in particular, which is, I think, a pivotal verse. Yeah.
0: Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh?
1: So he's talking about being perfected. That is like that is the textbook definition of sanctification yeah he's not just talking about salvation he's talking about maturity that's right how do you live the christian life right Uh, and then here's another i got in front of me chapter four verse nine he says but now that you have come to know god you have come to know god or rather to be known by god how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental thing so he's saying you are believers you are saved yeah you have been known by god you see so he's definitely he's definitely and again i don't know how to say this succinctly deftly clearly. i'm still working on it but the i think the i think the rewards the rewards teachers would draw distinctions they are not judaizers we agree with galatians and they would say that as long as they can keep galatians in a justification box it's just about justification it's not about sanctification at all and i think if you read galatians you say oh no it's he's absolutely talking about how you live your christian life and your sanctification
0: to me it's both the judaizers um, were adding jesus jesus plus to their salvation and to their sanctification but i think but i think the book of galatians itself is written to believers yes who, who um who were struggling with their justification or their uh, their um sanctification i'm sorry i would say yeah, it's yeah. more strongly um written towards believers who are struggling with their sanctification
1: i i, I right and i think that's the message today if, if, so so then I'm going to try to say, you, you mentioned Luther last time. I'm going to probably have a little other quote from Luther that talks about our past of righteousness, how we're completely holy in God's eyes. Yeah. Um, although I could hear someone in their mind saying, yeah, that's right, for your justification, but not for your sanctification. You still not to be a good person, be a good Christian, keep the law. So then I want to say, here's how does sanctification absolutely work? And I have four things uh, from the second half of the book of Galatians and we don't have to go through them all on the podcast tonight, but these are the four things I want to say. Yeah,
0: you can mention them.
1: Well, his policy, I think, is his... So, so that understanding that we talk about, the the way the rewards people think, is like religion. And even even the rewards commentators I read would say, well, why are you surprised? It works this way. Every religion works this way. Right? It's carrots and sticks. It's blessings if you get it right and punishments if you get it wrong that's where religion is supposed to work right the, the gospel doesn't work that way at all right the god that's what makes the gospel unique and distinctive from all world religions is like it's it's free grace so um so the the, the big question is what why do you do what you do but here's what i want to say about like how saint, so what is possible how, how does sanctification work because that way of understanding is really simple I'm saved, but then I work hard for my sanctification. Well, then if that's not how it works, how does it work? And there's four things. First of all, number one is realize that your standing is completely complete. Secondly, don't slip back to that old way of thinking, which I call the single line for because of an illustration. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Third is change what you love. And the fourth is live in line with the way you were designed. So, the most, And they're kind of in order the, the way they appear in the book, but they're also in order of kind of importance because the most important thing is to realize that your standing is completely complete. In other words, you're 100% approved by God right now and you're, you you could do all kinds of good works and it won't make you 101% approved. It doesn't change. Your, your positional grace, your standing in his eyes is set because of what Christ did, not because of what you did and mm-hmm. all, all your good works won't change that so in other words you're saying like it's two sides of the same coin it's you talk about in terms of grace but like we well, t- talk about in terms of works why do you do good works why do you do good works because the Judaizers say you have to do good works the rewards people say you have to do good works and galatians says you have to do good works the bible paul absolutely says you have to do good works the whole point is the reason you do them The say you do it to be accepted by god the rewards will say you do it because you need to get great rewards in heaven and paul says you do it sheerly out of gratitude you don't you don't get a thing out of it you don't it doesn't change a thing you you can't be any more accepted than you are right now and you can't be any less accepted than you are right now so you do it purely out of gratitude to please him right but it doesn't there's, they're not meritorious works. You don't get any merit out of doing it in his eyes. You just do a kind of sheer response to his grace.
0: That's, so, yeah. Well said, well said.
1: Well, there was a verse you brought up that I added to the presentation that you keyed in Galatians 6. I thought that was a really big addition and I didn't have it until you mentioned it. Now I'm going to try to find space and time to work it in. Do you remember that was?
0: Yeah, Galatians six fourteen. It's one of my one of my favorite verses. Thinking about your two line illustration, where he says, "But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world." And it's just that idea: the only thing that Paul can boast about is the cross. He can't boast right. about his works. Right? He can't boast about well he could have. I mean he yeah, he could. He could he could have, but he's saying I'm choosing to only boast about Christ and the cross. Right. Um and to me, um, as that cross grows, as we as we grow in our Christian life, um, the cross gets bigger and bigger, and we want to boast more and more about in him. Um
1: Amen. Amen. The more I'm aware of how holy he is, and the more I'm aware of how sinful I am, and how the gap between those two grows and grows and grows, the more I reflect back. And you know, for Greg, I can't I I was in all the research I was doing for the talk, I I there was a phrase about our 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 sanctification it progresses through reflection on our justification, reflecting back. Mm. Right. So remember, you got a question last week. Talk about stumpers and different things, which said, how show? No, no, no. What was the verse? The guy said, what does it mean to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Right. What does it mean to work out? And um, and um it
0: sounds like you, it sounds like something we would do in our flesh.
1: Work. It sounds like work for your trans salvation.
0: Yeah, it does. And, and I, that's, and, and that's right. what, a, that's how a lot of people interpret it.
1: That's right. Work out your salvation. You got to do good works. You see, you got to be good. And I think it's, I think it's exactly this idea. If if you think of, the, of an illustration with two diverging lines, where one is the growing awareness of God's holiness, another going upward, another one going downward is your growing awareness of your own sin. And the cross is filling that gap. So as you, as the lines diverge and you grow in Christ, the cross gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. In other words, I am progressing in my sanctification by reflecting back on my justification what i'm doing is working out my salvation with fear and tremble yeah i'm thinking of my salvation and my salvation which which seemed like a nice thing which the, the is heart. that cross
0: the cross gets bigger your awe,
1: exactly and it, it, exactly and the I cross mean, getting bigger and bigger is working out my salvation i'm not graduating uh, from my salvation i'm not leaving behind my salvation because
0: you're growing in your awe of what 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 jesus did for you amen you amen. know Right. And th- there's another there's another word that I think works into into this to your illustration, and it's the word surrender. Yes. Because um there like um like when I think about my other illustration, the three ways to live, the reason we tend to go one way go, fall into legalism or license is because we want to control our lives. But the way we continue to follow Jesus is through surrender.
1: Amen. That's really good, Greg. You know, but you about-
0: want to surrender. You want to surrender because, you know, because of the magnitude of what He did for us it, on the yes. cross. And so it becomes, it, it becomes easier to as you grow. Again, as you see how huge, you know, your awareness of your sinfulness and the awareness of God's holiness, and you realize it you know, without Christ, we're with, you know, there's no hope. It makes it easier to surrender to him.
1: Yeah. And it surrenders an active process, right? I mean, th- th- I'm it's a daily,
0: that. it's like taking up your cross daily and following that's
1: right. him. That's right.
0: To me, You're that's, right. that's, sur- that that's, a that's, that's surrender.
1: And that's the passage about the fruit of the spirit in Galatians. In Galatians 5, it's all about changing what you love. And it ends by saying, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Yeah. It's an active, taking up your cross daily. I'm crucifying the flesh. I'm changing what I love. Daily surrender. And and and, and it's active, because one of the criticisms of it is say, well, the license, the rewards theology is is, is, is based on a fear of license. Well, if I don't have some rationale for, pro- for propelling good works forward, see, you're going to get rewarded. you got to keep working... i'm just just gonna i'm
0: just gonna eat drink and be merry
1: yes and you'll slip in a license you can't have right you'll do anything and and so if you you think righteousness is passive and you say it's not passive surrender is really really active i need to every day stop trusting in myself stop keep trusting in him
0: the thing is we don't even focus on works they're they're byproduct of our surrender and of you know our living out the gratitude and we do. We will do good works. We will do good works, but it's actually better that I'm not aware of the good works that I do. That's right. That's Because right. I don't want to take any pride in them.
1: Yeah, so that rewards theology. We might have talked about this in that podcast. We talked about rewards, but that rewards theology is based on the verse about the, you know, we'll all appear before the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat of Christ. Right. But then the passage in is it Matthew or Luke where Jesus talks about the, his actual judgment where he's going to separate the sheep and the goats the sheep and he says to the sheep you did all these great things the sheep come back and say what they say when when did i do these great things right when, he says you did you visited me when i was sick you did help me when i was you did all these great things and they say we don't remember any of that at all they have no awareness of their good works no cognizance no never was their focus yeah right
0: which is which is great that's the way it should be right
1: well they'd be like paul in your verse the, the galatians 6 may I never boast except in the cross right? they would say they the sheep will say jesus i don't know what you're talking about i don't remember doing any of that stuff all i know is i want to be i was to surrender to you
0: yeah yeah that's 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 great any any um i'm excited i'm excited for your talk man i really am and is there any anything else you want to share?
1: Well, I think I am going to circle back, and I think we did in the podcast called "Podcasts Go." Call, this idea: well, those verses about rewards and crowns are in there. What do they mean? And in Philippians four one and First Thessalonians two verse nineteen, Paul clearly says the rewards, rewards, and the crowns are the people. And I think Greg, we talked about the podcast, but I think you gave a teaching where you talked about this. So people have heard this before from you in our little group. <laughs> I think you you were pretty clear on this. idea that the rewards. You're seeking are the people that you're going to influence for Christ,
0: yeah, and 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 it's going to be one of those um times where like um Jesus gets all the glory, um, um, because yeah, yeah, that's yeah, so the rewards are the, the changed lives, and whether or not it's like direct ministry or indirect ministry or maybe you gave money to a certain mission organization and you're going to meet people that were, you know, came to, came to know Jesus because you gave that $5, you know? Right. Um, I think that to me, that's, I think the Bema seat is going to be a more of a time of celebration of that rather than showing everybody's sins on a, on a screen behind you. Right. (laughs) Um, it's gonna be more of a yeah uh, just amazing celebration of how uh, God used our lives to touch other people in ways that we had no idea and it's it's we're not going to have any sense of pride or anything. It's gonna be um, we're just gonna I mean it's the same way I feel. Whenever somebody comes up and said, great job, because, mm. you know, um, it seems like it happens every time you teach, you know, somebody comes up and gives you, a, says, hey, yeah. you did a great job.
1: The way people say that to you? People have said that to me. I um, say that to all the other speakers, too. I just don't recall hearing that. I'm, I'm just kidding, Greg. As if...
0: You're kidding? Oh, they, they, say yeah, that, they, they say that to you? What? <laughs> they say that to you, but they never say it to me.
1: They never say it to me.
0: Well, and the thing is sometimes people say it just because they feel the pressure to say it, you yeah. know. But um but I think when people sincerely, you know, say it and I can tell like just, you know, I can kind of tell their heart, I immediately thank God because I know that if I touched anybody's life, if I did anything well, it's it's it, it, it he deserves the credit. That's right. So I don't walk away like, oh man, you're great. You know, you're a great Bible teacher or you're, you know, um, I actually kind of rejoice. You know, I think I, th- I turn that into a prayer of thanks to God that he, that he used me that's awesome to touch somebody, you know, to touch somebody's life. And that's, that's why I'm in ministry actually is, is for moments like that, um, When, uh, when you get feedback like that, um, when you realize that God used you to touch another person's life, I've always known that, that, that has nothing to do with my unique, you know, there's nothing special, um, you know, um, anyway, just, just the, I just am very keenly aware that that's that's just God, it's all God and that's the and that's the greatest thing. well, how should we close this one?
1: uh well let's um let me read this little passage if you don't mind from Luther because I thought this was really good. he talked about his passive righteousness. do you mind if I do that?
0: Yeah no, do it.
1: So Luther wrote this commentary this uh, on the uh, Galatians. And I think, did you talk about how this started the revival, the Great Awakening? Did you talk about I that? I did much? not
0: share that story.
1: So it was, uh, so I, if I have time, I'll, if I, I'll mention this briefly, how um, John and Charles Wesley were, in the early 1700s, were missionaries. They went to from England to Georgia, and they failed miserably. And they came back to England all disheartened and disillusioned. And they went to a Bible study and uh someone was reading luther's commentary on galatians which you teed up last week and you mentioned yeah. it. and they were completely changed not them for the one of their companions first but the, but but then they all they they changed and this is the passage they're reading this is actually a paraphrase uh uh it was a it's a i found this in the internet abridged in a paraphrase by tim keller so Uh, it's about a paragraph long. I'll just start it. It says, therefore, we must be careful to use the law appropriately. Again, these are Luther's words paraphrased by Tim Keller. If we use the law in order to be accepted by God through obedience, then Christian righteousness becomes mixed up with earned or moral righteousness in our minds. If we try to earn our righteousness by doing many good deeds, we actually do nothing. We neither please God, through our works for righteousness, nor do we honor the purpose for which the law was given, which is just to show us what sinners we are. But if we first receive Christian righteousness, then we can use the law, not for our salvation, but for his honor and glory and to lovingly show our gratitude. And then these words are what set it off. So then have we nothing to do to obtain this righteousness? No, nothing at all. Wow. And, and, uh, what happened? Let me find this passage here if I can one of their companions it wasn't actually John Charles Wesley at the time. it was one of their companions, and he was so overwhelmed with this. Uh, um, he said there there came such a power over me as I cannot well describe. cannot well describe. My great burden fell off in an instant. My heart was so filled with peace and love that I burst into tears. I almost thought I saw our Savior. My companions, perceiving me so affected, fell on their knees and prayed. And then Charles Wesley reflected later on that same night, and he said, While he was describing the change which God works through faith in Christ, Luther, I felt my heart strangely warmed, strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. These were Christians; they were missionaries. Wow! But suddenly, grace hit them, and I think they were trying so hard to, you know, we call it climbing the single line, but trying so hard to, you know, uh, live an obedient Christian life to achieve God's approval and favor. And when they realized, no, wait, I've already got it. It's all by His grace. Yeah. You what know, are you going to do? No, nothing.
0: No, nothing. I grace think they felt
1: like a tidal wave. Yeah. I and that's part of the Great Awakening in the early 1700s, which changed millions of lives. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com
0: Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need
1: of God's grace. See you next time.